Chapter Twenty Six of the Giant's Robe by F. Anstey. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Six. Visits of Ceremony. Mr. Langton, on being informed that Mark Ashburn proposed to become his son-in-law, took a painfully prosaic view of the matter. "'I can quite understand the fascination of a literary career to a young man,' he had observed to Mark, in the course of a trying interview. "'Indeed, when I was younger, I was frequently suspected myself of contributing to punch, but I always saw where that would lead me, and, as a matter of fact, I never did indulge my inclinations in that direction,' he added, with the complacency of a St. Anthony. "'And the fact is, I wish my son-in-law to have a more assured position.' you see at present you have only written one book oh i am quite aware that illusion was well received remarkably so indeed but then it remains to be proved whether you can follow up your success and and in short while that is uncertain i can't consent to any engagement you really must not ask me to do so and in this determination he was firm for some time even though secretly impressed on hearing of the sum for which Mark had already disposed of his forthcoming novel, and which represented, indeed, a very fair year's income. It was Uncle Solomon, after all, that proved the heavy piece of ordnance which turned the position at the crisis. He was flattered when his nephew took him into his confidence, and pleased that he should have looked so high, which motives combined to induce him to offer his influence. It was a somewhat desperate remedy, and mark had his doubts of the impression likely to be produced by such a relative but it worked unexpectedly well mr lightowler was too cautious to commit himself to any definite promise but he made it abundantly clear that he was a warm man and that mark was his favourite nephew for whom he was doing something as it was and might do more if he continued to behave himself after the interview in which this was ascertained Mr. Langton began to think that his daughter might do worse than marry this young Ashburn, after all. Mrs. Langton had liked Mark from the first in her languid way, and the fact that he had expectations decided her to support his cause. He was not a brilliant parti, of course, but at least he was more eligible than the young men who had been exciting her maternal alarm of late, and under her grandfather's will, mabel would be entitled on her marriage or coming of age to a sum which would keep her in comfort whatever happened all these considerations had their effect and mr langton seeing how deeply his daughter's heart was concerned withdrew his opposition and even allowed himself to be persuaded that there was no reason for a long engagement and that the marriage might be fixed to take place early in the following spring he only made two stipulations one that mark should insure his life in the usual manner and the other that he should abandon his nom de plume at once and in the next edition of illusion and in all future writings use the name which was his by birth i don't like aliases he said if you win a reputation it seems to me your wife and family should have the benefit of it and mark agreed to both conditions with equal cheerfulness Mr. Humpage, as may be imagined, was not best pleased to hear of the engagement. He wrote a letter of solemn warning to Mabel and her father, and this being disregarded, he nursed his resentment in offended silence. 
if Harold Caffin was polite enough when in his uncle's company to affect to share his indignation to the full, elsewhere he accepted Mark's good fortune with cheerful indifference. He could meet Mabel with perfect equanimity and listen to her mother's somewhat discursive eulogies of her future son-in-law with patience, if not entire assent. Since his autumn visit to the Featherstones, there had been changes in his position which may have been enough to account for his philosophy. He had gained the merchant's good opinion to such an extent that the latter, in defiance of his wife's cautions, had taken the unusual step of proposing that the young actor should give up the stage and occupy a recently vacated desk in Mr. Featherstone's own palatial city offices. Even if his stage ambition had not cooled long since, Caffin was not a man to neglect such a chance as this. He accepted gratefully, and already the merchant saw his selection, unlikely as it had seemed at first, beginning to be justified by his protégé's clear head and command of languages. While Gilda's satisfaction at the change was at least equal to her father's, and so, whether Harold was softened by his own prosperity, and whether other hopes or distractions came between him and his former passion for revenge, he remained impassive throughout all the preparations for a marriage which he could have prevented had he chosen. At Triburg, the thought that Mark, who had, as he considered, been the chief means of ruining his hopes of Mabel, was to be his successful rival, had for an instant revived the old spirit, but now he could face the fact with positive contentment, and his feeling towards Mark was rather one of contemptuous amusement than of any actual hostility. Mark's introduction of Mabel to his family had not been altogether a success. He regretted that he had carelessly forgotten to prepare them for his visit as soon as he pulled the bell-handle by the gate, and caught a glimpse of scared faces at one or two of the windows, followed by sounds from within of wild scurry and confusion, like a lot of confounded rabbits, he thought to himself in disgust. Then they had been kept waiting in a chilly little drawing-room, containing an assortment of atrocities in glass, china, worsted, and wax, until Mark moved restlessly about in his nervous irritation, and Mabel felt her heart sink in spite of her love. She had not expected to find Mark's people in luxurious surroundings, but she was unprepared for anything quite so hideous as that room. When Mrs. Ashburn, who had felt that this was an occasion for some attention to toilette, made her appearance, it was hardly a reassuring one. She was not exactly vulgar, perhaps, but she was hard, Mabel thought, narrow and ungenial. But the fact was that the consciousness of having been taken unawares robbed her welcome of any cordiality which it might otherwise have possessed. She inferred from her first glance at Mabel's pretty walking costume a fondness for dress and extravagance, which branded her at once as a worldling, between whom and herself there could be nothing in common, in which last opinion she was most probably right, as all Mabel's efforts to sustain a conversation could not save it from frequent lapses. Martha, from shyness as much as stiffness, sat by in almost complete silence, and though Trixie, the only other member of the family who appeared, was evidently won at once by Mabel's appearance, and did all she could to cover the other's shortcomings, she was not sufficiently at her ease to break the chill, and Mark, angry and ashamed as he was, felt paralysed himself under its influence. 
on the way back he was unusually silent from a fear of the impression such an ordeal as she had gone through must have left upon mabel and the fact that she did not refer to the interview herself did not reassure him he need not have been afraid however she was not in the least deterred by what she had seen the sight of the home in which he had been brought up had filled her with a loving pity suggesting as it did the petty constraints and miseries the unloveliness of all surroundings and the total want of appreciation which he must have endured there and yet all this had not soured him in spite of it he had produced a great book strong yet refined and tender and free from any taint of narrowness or cynicism as she thought of this and glanced at mark's handsome face so bright and animated in general but clouded now with the melancholy which his fine eyes could express at times she longed to say something to relieve it and yet shrank from being the first to speak in her fear of jarring him mark spoke at last well mabel he said looking down at her with a rather doubtful smile i told you that my mother was a uh, a little peculiar yes said mabel frankly we didn't quite get on together did we mark we shall some day perhaps and even if not i shall have you and she laid her hand on his sleeve with a look of perfect understanding and contentment which little as he deserved it chased away all his fears End of chapter 26